Ladies and gentlemen, start your engine. What kind of race is this? It's all done with shopping carts. You race through a supermarket and things go flying into your cart. It's wonderful. It's wild. It's amazing. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome once again to This Week in Mormons, the leading Latter-day Saint podcast, covering Latter-day Saint-focused news, but still calling ourselves Mormons, because why not? Because reasons, you know? That's a whole other topic, though. Kurt Franca of Leading Saints Hey, on, on here. The, uh, the Leading Saints guy on the Leading uh, podcast, however you introduced yourself. You just interest lead, Leading Saints as Leading Saints is the leading podcast about leading. It is. For Latter-day it, Saints. Yeah. It's much like, I, I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but I was the Deseret News Sterling Scholar of Visual Arts at Granger High School in 2000, in the year 2000. And the reason... That all sounds made up to me. No, no, no. This is a real thing. I, visual Arts, I was the Sterling Scholar. And the reason I was a Sterling Scholar was by default. I was the only one to apply for Visual Arts... At Granger High. So just like that, in the world of Latter-day Saint leadership podcasts, I lead by default. So okay. there's, no, there's no other one. You've been on You've been on since we had our kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have chatted. Wait, I, think, I don't know. I think we the last time we chatted was It's been like right two months, before. so you have, you have to have been on since. Uh, it seems like I have. And, I don't anyway, know, Jeff. But, like, but we got children. We've got kids that are only a couple days apart, so that's fun. Right. That we've already lined them up to be married someday it'd be great yeah well your daughter's name is mosiah which i think is kind of weird <laughs> it's not mosiah it's mariah we go for pop completely. singers not mormon prophets oh yeah the mariah carey is definitely the one oh yeah by which she should ever her, ever since her i heard her. um you know that song uh santa baby no that's not it no you're, th- you're thinking of her her cover of all i want for christmas that's right all i want for christmas i said someday i will name my child mariah no, that's not. That's false. I was all about Mariah Carey's either Hero or her cover of um, I Can't Live. That one. Ooh. Right? Living is without you. You Go, know the Jeff. one. Roll with it. Mm. I can't do the mm. high note. It comes right after that. Or the I, high note, and then they like dance all over the place, right? If uh-huh. you ever want to have fun, though, um, mocking Mariah, not your Mariah, but <laughs> Carrie, um, there's lots of good content on YouTube of her getting upset at gigs or caught lip syncing or mad that it's too cold. Like there's a great New Year's performance where she just stops singing and just kind of dances because she's upset that it's cold, which I understand. Like if you're a singer, cold weather is not great. It's not. It's never good to sing in cold weather. That is your instrument and it doesn't function well in the cold. But it's also like rocking New Year's Eve. This is the gig, you know, this is the gig. Come on. We've. This is the, I don't think we've ever been this all over the place during one of our intros, but this is fantastic. So tell me about your kid with all that hair. He's doing well. well He's he has, all, he ha, my, my child, whose name I will not reveal, but he is named for a city across the sea. That's all I will say. No, everyone, no, his name is not Bordeaux. I know that's what you were all thinking, <laughs> but it's not his name. <laughs> but uh, his name is Budapest. So, um, He's doing great. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of hair. That kid was born with more hair than I can believe. That was sort of the popular thing at the hospital. Everyone, it was the talk of the support staff because yeah. they hadn't seen a hairy baby like that in a long time. So he's just he's just got a lot of hair. I think we're gonna have to cut it. He's only two months old, and uh, it's just it's crazy. It's wiry. It sticks. It looks like Caesar sometimes. Like it's all forward and a little bit curls. 
And sometimes it goes the other way. If he has so a bath and his hair gets all curly and weird. No cowlicks or anything? Grow. A little bit of a cowlick. He's yeah. got stuff. It's He gets like a day when it looks nice after he gets a bath. And then it doesn't take long for it all. Just It's just a mess. It's awesome. Nice. So are you going to require him to wear a mask when he gets a haircut? No. Oh. Because he'll get a haircut in our house by his oh, okay. parents. Good, good. He's a two-month-old. What am I going to do? Take him I, to... I would, it would be interesting for you to roll into a, a salon with roll a two-month-old. Roll into Supercuts, buddy, and be like, here, take my two-month-old who can't even hold his head up. Have fun yeah. cutting his hair. They'd probably do it for free because Kurt, so I'd cute. wonder if you had children, but we just established that you have one the same age as mine. So it's... Yeah. It's a little bit weird. No, we're not going to. It's not. I, and why go to salons? You've seen me. Clearly, I'm not into going to get a salon right now. I haven't cut my hair since February. Yeah, that was the first uh, thing I noticed, Jeff, when we connected this evening. My hair looks awful. It's, it hasn't crossed into some cool place where I just have like fun, shaggy hair. It just looks It looks bad. Can you it's do like a ponytail the, yet? I can't do a ponytail, but I could probably grab some of it on the sides of the back and at least I could I could get a tie around it maybe, but I'd look like a. Like car salesmen in the early nineties. Your you know, people, you. your people demand a photo, Jeff. Not going to give it to them. All right. <laughs> All right. I have a face for radio. That's how we do things around here. Uh, now, leading Saints going well. Everything uh, good. We are. Uh, let's see. We've got. We've been having some cool events recently. Um, you know, m- mostly broadcasted. And though we last couple of weeks we had an event with LifeStar, which is a, a leading uh, counseling what do you call these therapist office here in, uh, in Salt Lake and, um, been doing some stuff with them. And then we have another event at the, at the end of the month about, uh, mindsets with Ryan Gottfordson and, uh, yeah, things are going good. We're, we're preparing our next virtual summit. We're always working on a virtual summit. Well, virtual summits are fun and they're great. And you kind of pioneered them and now it's like the only option, but you've already got, you, you, you're all, this is old hats to you. Oh yeah. You've got this, you got this down. If I was wiser, I'd open some type of consulting operation. For, if but. if Brad Wilcox is involved, I will be there. Right? He, Isn't he part of like the General Sunday School presidency now? Uh, young men called to that, right? Young, young men's presidency. Yeah. So he may not be as available for your casual interview. <sighs> I've been mean to ask him. I I did email him after the fact, but uh, I, I assume interviews are off limits at this point without various without uh, without approvals. Approval. Yeah. I, you know, I, I emailed him once years ago when he was on the CES circuit, the fireside circuit, because I enjoyed his remarks. And he was very nice. He responded right away and he sent oh, me yeah. a book. He sent me a book. Oh, that's his thing. He'll mail you stuff. I, I got a... <laughs> that's how they get you. You give him your PII. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he sent me a book and I was a bishop at the time and I got this like folder full of like resources to, to counsel people. And anyways, he was, uh, yeah, he's a sweet, wonderful individual. So. Yeah. Well, our door is still open. We'd love to interview a standing member of the church apparatus, whoever it may be, even if it's just some like random 70s. You know, like the 70s, no one knows. I want one of those. <laughs> where where you have to look him up and be like, huh, his picture's been there the I mean, whole time. There's the famous, I mean, all the 70s get a shot at general conference. Like it happens, right? It seems like they all speak at least once, I would say, even if, if, even if they're ones who sweep in for like five years and then they get released, which happens. But uh, I think my goal is to get C. Scott Grow. Yeah, America right? seventy. Yeah. Hey, I, I think they had the election. I assume he won, but did uh, it happen? Oh, I don't, I'm not. I'm not in that area. But uh, I did visit there and saw the signs. But uh, yeah, he would in campaign season. He fi- figured he, you know, politicians will speak to any mic if you give it to him. But uh, but that is an interesting dynamic that you know I'm just looking at the list of General Authority seventies, and it seems like there's a certain 
group of them who it feels like they speak every other conference. And then there's others who you look at and think, I swear he has never spoken general conference, but sure enough. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so speaking though, we did mention the election. So not C. Scott Groh's election, you know, the competitive race and, you know, like suburban Boise, Idaho. Yeah. That's going to be hot, fertile ground. That's where it's a race is Republicans against Republicans against Republicans. So that's fine. Mm -hmm. So not, not to be too political. You know, we have our things happen on this show sometimes, but only because Utah Policy has an article out for ana- analyzing some numbers about Trump support in Utah. Only important because Utah is typically one of the most reliably GOP states in the United States. After only Mississippi, often they just they vie for dominance at, at, when it comes to presidential elections. Uh, as you might imagine, Mitt Romney, a a once favored. <laughs> favorite son of the church did pretty well there in 2012 in right. Utah. Uh, Donald Trump took one Utah, but not very well. I mean, he won it with a plurality, which is in a lot of states, you'll win a plurality and you might still win the state. But in Utah, that doesn't usually happen to a Republican. You usually clean up pretty well, but, but Hillary did better than expected. Evan McMullen was there for the moral vote for people who, you know, didn't want to vote for Donald Trump. Um, so now we're facing the 2020 election and some data has come out that, basically is arguing that I don't fully get it. The way this is written is admittedly not as clean as it could be. Bob Burnick, even though you're the contributing editor, but uh, essentially it analyzes Bob. active and very active women. And that's the interesting thing. So it's analyzing people who self-identify as active members of the church in Utah. And that group does not support Trump as much as others do. So it seems you have to be like less active in church to be into Trump or not a moderate Republican. And moderate Republicans are also not a big fan. So it's some interesting data because it's funny to me that you'd see that people who self-identify as very active, at least in this study, are the ones least likely to... Maybe not. Sorry, not least likely. Least likely are, of course, the socialists who live in the avenues. But the <laughs> <Right>. other ones... <laughs> um, but of the, of, of the largely Republican Utah set so it's that's some interesting interesting data i I don't know exactly what's behind that because kurt's very active and kurt worships trump that's right but i'm wearing um, my maga hat as we speak uh so my my question i'm curious what it would look like to like past presidents did they compare it all i'm not as far as what other republican presidents look like there's not much of that really going on i mean there's some there's some mentions of it here and there but, but it's assumed that this is much you know or it's considerably lower than maybe what we've yeah. seen in past and, and typically what you see here there's a lot of gender analysis here to happen where, where women much more strongly and especially women who identify as active latter-day saints uh, much more strongly disapprove of trump than men uh that's not uncommon across just republican approvals in general where men typically approve at higher ratings yeah. than women do um and so i would anticipate it's uh, this isn't necessarily suggesting that by any means Utah is going to flip uh, there, as far as the presidential race, but it can impact other races, right? And especially some of these close. Well, it could. Lot. I think. I think a good example. Um, you know, you're the Utah and Kurt. You get it. But Utah has one Democrat in Congress, Ben McAdams, who represents Utah's fourth district, right? Which is basically a lot of Salt Lake City and the main Salt Lake Valley, and it snakes mm-hmm. in a couple spots, but. Pretty safe to argue one of the more diverse parts of the state and one of the most friendly ones to push a Democrat through. He barely won unseating Mia Love back in uh, in and twenty barely like barely barely eight, right in the twenty eighteen midterm. So it was it was a squeaker. So he's by no means safe. But the data is interesting because, um, uh, for example, you know there's going to be four Republican candidates to go up against him in a primary at the end of this month. 
but female voters are not too hot on uh, these things right now. So I think Ben McAdams is probably the best example. Obviously, we have our, our good old boy, you know, Devin Thorpe. Oh, who's, right. Uh, who's, who won the, pri- the Democratic primary and is going to take down John Curtis in a blood sport fury. John doesn't never even seen. know what's coming for him. He doesn't even know what's coming the for him. The nicest guy you'll ever meet, but he's he can turn on the facts, right? A former Democrat turned Republican against another Democrat. So what could go wrong in terms of an election? And obviously, Trump is not Mormon. There's no Evan McMullen running this time to kind of try to court that vote. But it is interesting to watch Latter-day Saints support, especially because another recent study had uh, Mitt Romney's support slipping, you know, much more among Utahns mm-hmm. compared to Donald Trump, which is also kind of kind of interesting, you know, like, yeah, that's s- stupid. So, yeah, fun times all around. Uh, oh, I think Kurt froze again. He does that, people. Well, while Kurt's frozen, oh, I'm he's back. back. I'm back. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I'm trying. Kurt, Kurt not... is in rural Idaho, where they just got <laughs> the right. internet. They're still using D- DSL. Is still the hot yeah. item of discussion where he is. So, all right. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> oh my! God. My internet is powered by potatoes. What can I say? I'm at my in-laws' house. the The twin sisters never have this problem in Idaho. Well, they also record in the same room, so there's that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, we should buddy. have done that. Yeah. Anyway, so congratulations, Utah. Hope you have fun. Kurt, I'm sure you'll have a great time in the fall. That's right. And, you know, and it's interesting to sort of get the vibe of it's it'll be interesting to watch what happens because it's hard to really get the pulse of what's happening in even in these very conservative areas. Right. Because I don't know, like some of these numbers, I don't know, some people would be surprised by them, others not. But it is what it is. Yes. But the important thing is that you all go out and vote. That's right. Count your Something vote. Like, hey, go something on. like that. I, I can't. I can't help but jump on this. Uh, the missionary dress dress standards. Probably one of the biggest news of the week. I That's right. Say. Because they have these these stock photos of these good looking young men in various colors of shirts and various either tie with ties or without ties. So yeah. Well, um, wait a minute. Without ties. What are you saying, Kurt? What is the news? We're the news is is that uh, the area presidency now have the authority to adjust expected missionary attire so that it is appropriate for the circumstances and climate, or as the press release puts it, to improve and maintain missionary dignity, safety, effectiveness, approachability, and cultural sensitivity while properly representing the Lord and his church. So I guess uh, the area, I guess this is the area presidency's call, not necessarily the mission president's call, it sounds like. Um, but they can, maybe an area will... I don't know what what would constitute a blue shirt rather than a white shirt. That's the interesting one. So to be clear, the main changes are, and it's it's minor changes. So the missionary uniform, as we know it, the standard remains the same. You know, the white shirt, the tie, suits when needed, all that stuff. So there could be exceptions granted. So one of them is either you could wear a b- solid blue shirt instead of a white shirt, and the other one is you could wear no tie. You could wear a white shirt, sorry, with no tie, or you could wear a blue shirt with no tie. You could go all in on that sin. Four quadrant right there. Um, I don't know the blue shirt. I had, I saw one person comment that maybe it would be useful in like drier and, you know, dustier areas because uh-huh. then the white shirt w- would look more soiled and a blue shirt will mask just dirt and sweat and stuff better. So maybe I don't – I still don't fully, fully know. The only other thing I can think of is like, you know, missionaries serving like outside of the Intermountain West or in Europe where people think we look like – CIA agents always walking around with their white shirts right. on. It'll like that's 
I don't know. It blends in. Like you go to church in Europe and nobody's wearing white shirts. So maybe that's just a blend in. But they still have to wear white shirts to church. That's part of the rules. Right. And um, I've heard like even back in our time of serving, like uh, obviously I was in California, warmer climate. Uh, and But I heard some missions like certain months, like from October to March or something, they had to even wear the full suit like every day. Mine did that, yeah. Oh, really? So yeah. y- you were walking around and in your coats in your suit so coats? we had so we, we had like suit season and non-suit season and it was oh. dictated it was dictated just by the mission president that was an, an area rule uh, and it was just that during the cooler months we were supposed to just wear our suits all the time why not it's cooler outside anyway uh, and then we'd get a call at some point so it always made april ish was like always the least comfortable month because sometimes it would just start getting you know you get heat waves and spikes whatever it may be and we're still wearing our suits and we're like this sucks Give, Give us the call, President Bowen. Give us the call, please. So it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if this is sort of the beginning of a shift in our our general culture of of you know the white shirt and tie and, and the suit, right? Like that's sort of the the leadership uh, or the priesthood, uh, you know, uniform as it's been said. But right. Uh, but even though it doesn't say anywhere in the handbooks that this is you know what we do, at least well, it, especially it's even gone. Books. Yeah, exactly. You said the newer handbook even removed clauses that say you should wear a white church when doing blessing the sacrament, for example, in priesthood ordinances. So it's still like a perfectly good thing to do. Um, and of course, it was only a couple of years ago when employees in the church office building were allowed to start wearing non-white shirts. So that's to say nothing of the missionaries, just the fact that just church employees, professionals were had to wear white shirts every yeah. day. That was the yeah. rule for a long time, and now I mean we've had the the sisters uh, that aren't re- that aren't required to wear uh, dresses the whole time, right? And that's right. That's been a cool change to see, and I think a welcome change by many of the sister missionaries out there. Yeah, so. big time. The, the the one main thing is though, it's funny with all of this, but the sisters are this like just like the sisters have to do have to wear dresses to church to like zone meetings to whatever that may be. Elders are in the same boat; where they still need to look appropriate, quote unquote for those particular meetings. So we're not fully casualing it up yet. Yeah. Everybody. But I hope this is, like I said, extends to the, the broader culture of, of our dress standards that, uh, you know, I'd like to see more bishops in in blue shirts or with beards. And I think that would, uh, you know, mix it up a little bit. It kind of feels a little bit too rigid in that area, just simply because I think many of these uh, leaders have served missions and they sort of feel like that's, they feel comfortable because that's what they remember and know this is very progressive of you kurt oh yeah i suppose your next move is going to be to defund wards that's That's your next plan (laughs) maybe a bishops with face tattoos i mean we could go anywhere jeff well there's nothing wrong with having a tattoo i mean getting a new one's not advisable but if it's there (laughs) yeah man i I have a progressive vein in me i've i've been i've seen that a little bit at least out here i've seen people and maybe not the bishop i'm trying to think if i've seen bishops with beards but i've seen counselors recently who had beards and nobody cared right and so I think that's a good step. Yeah. I don't know. If, I don't think we'll have missionaries with beards anytime soon. But, oh no! Uh, well, the, the, they're pretty young these days. Most can't even grow one, right? I do. I do have one thought though on the the tieless appearance. Uh huh. I think there should be a requirement that those ties have button collars. I think having the spread collar without the tie runs the risk. In the in the stock photo, yeah. his collar is reasonably tight and crisp, so it's not that bad. But you know how many times, I mean, like this, Kurt, like I'm wearing a collared shirt right now. You know when it uh-huh. just kind of falls out, it just kind of falls out into a big V? That's going to happen, and it's going to look sloppy. Yes. So I I think there should be a button collar requirement, if you dare. Right. Start the petition, Jeff. 
Let's make this happen. Also, I hope they, if it's up to the area presidency, I guess the mission presidents would notify them in advance. Couldn't you see like a lot of missionaries who only stock like white shirts in their suits? Because that's, and that's all they can wear in the MTC as well. That's the one thing. It said, doesn't matter what you're going to wear in the field. You have to just wear your white shirts in the MTC. So you're going to stock up on all these white shirts and then get to the field. They're going to be like, yeah, you don't need to wear that tie and you can wear blue shirts. Knock yourself out. And you're going to say, great. Now I got to go shopping again. Thank you. Anyway, I'm going to let's get let's where get we headed, po- Jeff. Let's get hot political right now. Oof, let's do it. I'm, I'm ready First to jump off, in. Some props to the Salt Lake Tribune because I believe they've modified their paywall. I've been able to load some Salt Lake Tribune articles in my regular browser in a non incognito window and it's loaded. So I think they might have changed policies. So that's good. Good job, Salt Lake Tribune. Good job. They're looking out for you, Jeff. This is a two paragraph op ed. Recognize that it's an op-ed. The Trib chose to publish it, but it's not written by the Trib. It's just someone wrote a, sorry, it's not even an op-ed. Someone wrote a letter to the editor. The letter by Jennifer Gearlings says, it's past time to rename Dixie State University. Utah has a state university with a name for which it should be ashamed, says Ms. Gearlings. The state could change that name just as easily as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints declared that Mormon would no longer be used. The term Mormon had been used for nearly 200 years, and just like that, it was changed. Stationary reprinted, sermons rephrased, minds had to shift. Now it is time, past time, for Dixie State to be renamed. Stationaries needs to be printed, slogans rephrased, blah, 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 blah. Minds have to shift. Dixie State should be no more. That's all she says. She doesn't really provide her rationale behind it. If you don't understand what she's getting at, what I'm taking from this, Southern Utah because they grew cotton there back when they settled it, started that area was known as Dixie, sort of as a nod to the South because of also cotton growing. But I think for many, it could be taken as a sort of a reference to like the glory of like antebellum South, you know, and plantations and what have you. In today's climate, I I understand where this is going. Right. It seems to pop up every few years, this uh, sort of this... uh, motion to to change the name right then to like dixie seems dixie seems too confederate yeah yeah Yeah, i I had no idea why we even call it dixie in the first place when it's in utah but it's just because of that yeah it's just because they they found for some reason the area was conducive to growing cotton why a red rock desert in utah is as good for growing cotton as the humid southern united states i have no idea but that's what they did you didn't know that's why it was dixie a native son hey i'm i'm north it's like a whole different state up here okay in, in northern Utah. So, so I, what's, your, what's your take, though, Kurt? Should they rename Dixie State? Uh, I, to be honest, I haven't overly thought about it, but... Uh, Make a call right now. Yes or no? Yes. Uh, no. I would yes, say... No. Choose, choose. I would say choose. no. Oh, you worthless peon. How dare... No. <laughs> I don't know. That's why that, they don't pay me to make these decisions. <laughs> <laughs> That's me in a, in a, in a meeting. Uh, no, I guess. Uh, if they renamed uh, Dixie State, I have no idea what they would rename it. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't, even come, State. they couldn't even come up with a good name for the new temple in the area. It's just the Washington County Temple. So clearly they're having a hard time. It'd be Washington County State University. There it, it is. Be, I would just call it St. George State. Why not? Yeah. Or how about Washington not. State University? I mean, that's probably not taken. I believe that's in Pullman. <laughs> yeah. So you, you can see it's either Dixie or Washington State. So you can see why this is such a hard decision. I say rename it. Why? You know, it only became a four-year university, like what, less than ten years ago. Who, cares? folks? It doesn't have enough of a cultural cachet that anyone's going to care. That's, Just that's rename probably it. True. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, it's not like a, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's probably not a lot of well, pretty, history pretty with soon, it. I think soon there might be 
there's going to be people calling to like rename BYU. I think that'll happen. Oh, yeah? I don't think that, I don't think they're going to rename BYU, but right. I think that that the, the the minority who's calling for this probably feels a little more empowered and more vocal given the events of the past three weeks or so. And I could see that gaining at least a little bit of steam in terms of mm-hmm. press because Brigham Young said things. He did quite a few things. He said things. And if we're basing this off, someone did some iffy things. Why are we honoring them? I see the argument. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I... Because, I mean, if if it went that far, wouldn't you have to sort of... Uh, I mean, because if you're honoring him through a university, you're also honoring him through as, a, as his prophetic s- status, right? So there's prophet status. So... Isn't it all come together? It's all just one big package? You could also look at it a few ways, though. Is BYU named what it is because of Brigham Young the prophet or because of Brigham Young the territorial governor? It's true. Right? Or, I mean, it's, it's probably both, but it was like, is there one or the other there right. that's really yeah, that's true. on? Yeah, he happened to be the governor and you know, the, the governor and the uh, and the prophet, right? So, Dude, Utah was a straight-up theocracy for like 35 years, man. <laughs> I, I've been— I've been— I've been uh, what? I, I, huh? Yeah, the uh, the Saints Volume Two goes into quite some of those uh, corners that I've never never considered or thought about, and uh, it's been interesting to watch. Not that that's the source of of some of those topics, but I need to read good. up on. I've I've uh, I, I haven't read any of Saints Two. I'm kind of oh, bad. You better do that before your next Temple Recommend interview, Jeff. They may ask you if you've Which read. Will be never. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, do we even do the Temple thing anymore? Right. We did receive official guidance that we are, I think, from the area presidency to encourage everyone to maintain an active recommend regardless of the whole current situation. But the mechanisms in place, I'd love to know what any of you listening, like if you've seen this, what your sticks are doing. So in ours, the problem with a temple recommend is unlike so many other things in the church, it cannot be issued like strictly electronically and then given to you in some capacity. Like something has to be physically signed with a pen, Uh which is the recommend itself. And then signed by the authority involved and then given back. And we have no workaround for that right now in our system. So in my stake, what I've seen is they'll do the interviews over Zoom, but they're actually snail mailing like, all right, well, I'm going to mail you the recommend. You sign it, mail it back to me, and then I'll mail it back to you. And Four weeks later, right? I mean, I get it. That's That's literally the best you can do in this environment. Fine. But I think that's a hilarious workaround. Like it speaks volumes to how awesome it would be just to have your recommend done electronically and maybe have it show up on your tools app and you just scan your phone when you walk in the temple and let that be that. I don't know. So, and I guess speaking of some of those procedures, I actually went, I went to church this Sunday, Jeff, I'm sure they're nowhere close. Well done, Kurt. No, keeping the faith. But you you guys are nowhere close of starting that up, right? Uh, we're gonna. Get, I believe we'll get some guidance this week. I'll I'll update everyone next week on the show because I'll have a bishopric meeting this week to talk about the plan. Our ward council seems to be leaning on if they let us, just like not bothering until phase two because all the all the hurdles for phase one in Virginia are it's almost it's onerous. There's just other than doing church, it. I'd say it would be worth it to hold a meeting, especially for those who have not had priesthood ordinate. I don't want to say no priesthood authority, no ordained priesthood holder in the home to bless the sacrament, to hold a meeting for those people so they can have the sacrament again. I think do that, prioritize them, and just leave everybody else at yeah, home for the time. Wait it out, right. Anyway, but what's your deal? What's going no, on? No, I was just curious. I guess I hadn't um, 
I, I was curious if you if you guys were close to that yet, but uh, yeah, it was an interesting experience, and uh, it was sort of sad at the same time. To, did you it, distance? Was it all like? How, yeah, you know, you know, rows were taped off, and uh, and you know, masks were in abundance, and uh, you know, the priesthood were, were very diligent. Sorry, the the, hold, the holders of the priesthood. You passing come the on, Kurt. I know. I'm. Uh, I should be. Why sure. don't you just re? You should just rebrand your whole business leading mormons i mean come right, on. right this is where you are <laughs> anyways and, and so but they were very diligent in keeping you know gloved and and those things but it was sort of like man this is just it was a reminder of sort of the 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 tragedy of the whole situation you know so yeah, like, yeah it's yeah. impacting everything you know but anyway so did they did they split are you going every week every other week like how are they handling that in terms of the number of people and what they can actually you know, support. I think that this was in uh, up here in rural Idaho, so I think they, I, I didn't get, they didn't announce like every other week or anything. My father-in-law just said, "Hey, churches today, if you want to go," and like, okay, well, let's get in the car and go check it out. So. Well, you're not going to say no as your father-in-law. I know, right? Yeah, I do anything that guy says. No, Larry, I'm good. You have fun. It's Randy, actually. But His name's Randy. Yeah, good solid Idaho name right there. That is a solid Idaho name right there. I know, right? All right, good job, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> it's his first podcast shout out, I think, ever. So that's Randy. Cool. This is the one you wanted to be on. I know that's it. Right. <laughs> I know it. What does Randy do for a living, Kurt? Tell us about Randy. Oh, he's a potato farmer, of course. Potato, grain, and uh, sugar beets. Oh, I love this. So, yeah. Sugar beets. You know you're in Idaho and Utah, Wench. That's right. Sugar. I could that's go awesome. on and on, Jeff, but I'd hate to take up some of our precious that's time. That's awesome. Oh, man. What do I pick? What do I pick? Elder Holland is learning about himself during the pandemic. Uh, you know, this is obviously when you're called as an apostle or general authority, you're you're generally out and about on airplanes, visiting right. different corners of the earth and preaching the good gospel. But now uh, they're just chilling at home and... He just discovered Angry Birds, everybody. That's right. Um, but uh, he's, I think it's been a good time. He's talked about just being more uh, reflective in his life and, and being able to connect with uh, my nine. Uh, let's see, he says, my 90-year-old neighbor. Uh, I'm concerned about specific people, my 90-year-old neighbor. My 95-year-old prophet and president of the church. That's personalized it more than I have been conscious of doing in the past. They are real people and real faces. I see them for who they are as children of God. So a nice article about our everybody's favorite speaker. I'm going to I'm going to guess that he's going to have just a crushing uh talk cuz he's had so much time to formulate what, What's each interesting word. is he was referring to himself but he said like he has suddenly become very very anxious about the well-being of other people. That's good. But Elder Hall like weren't you anxious about the well-being of other people before? <laughs> well, it's one of those things, you know, you I'm think confused. you are, right? And then you get a moment of, of pause, and then you're like, you know what? I could do better. That's good. Elder Holland's the man. He is. I don't know what the odds makers have right now on him being church president someday, but, uh, I mean, he's he's Very likely, to, right? He's very close now. He's 79, so he's and getting older. President Oaks is, is, is what, 80, 85 or something? He's, I think Oaks might be past that. And then Ballard's 90. I-Ring is behind Holland, actually, in seniority. That's right. Isn't he? So it doesn't matter. So all you got to do is get rid of those three. Boom. And That's right. Well, everyone, let's talk more about, uh, you know, more weird race, racial things. Last week, we tried to talk pretty sincerely about a lot of this, and I think we still should as needed. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. 
I am definitely going to love that. First of all, that Russell Stevenson, friend of the show, former guest on the show, the Mormon history guy, posted about this. Uh, a post that has since been taken down, published by the BYU-Idaho Performing and Visual Arts people. It appears to be the official account. It is a long, multi-page it says, do you know the story of my people? They were persecuted. They were murdered. They were raped. Their homes were ransacked. They were not given freedom of religion. And the list goes on and on. What became of my people? They served their very country who turned their backs on them in the Mexican War. They welcomed freedom of religion. It's this long list of like the sufferings of the saints. Published, of course, in this environment of others talking about, do you know the plight of my people, as in black people in the United States? And now it says, you know, there's 16 million strong all over the world all races and ethnicities. Why am I telling you this? Because I know however oppressed you feel, no matter if your skin color, religion, background, or heritage, you can rise above. You can take your situation and either drown in it or use it. Um, this is one of the most tone deaf things anyone's published in a very long. And so this was BYUI performing in visual arts. This is like their, like their Facebook page. Right? And of course this is BYU, Idaho. Of course it's BYU, Idaho. Of course. It had to be right. Like this is when you find out Florida was still going to allow WrestleMania during the during the the quarantine or WWE. Like, of course it was Florida. Of course this was BYU Idaho. Of course. Um. Yeah. So and then it was, was removed. Right. This that, was removed. This is gone now. Uh, screenshots. They'll get you every time. They will get you every time. There's no hiding from that. <laughs> I just, if you want to see this, go to go to this week. We reshared it on the TWIM uh, Facebook page so you can see the entire list if you want. But yeah, you know, this is oh, one of Mormons. those things like, uh, I think it's one of those in, in, in your, our effort to try and empathize and understand and connect. Like, you'll see this in leadership sometimes, like where an individual may come into their bishop and they're like, Bishop, like, I'm going through a really hard time. Like, I don't know, maybe someone who experiences same-sex attraction, and they're like, I, I'm gay, and I, I'm wrestling with this, and then they'll go into story time and be like, oh, I had a distant nephew who was gay once. I I completely understand what you're going through. And you're like, wait a minute, no, like, you missed it, you know? Like, in their good intention, and so it's one of these, like, they posted it like, ooh, yeah, and then somebody breaks well, of it. Well, and of course, there were, of course there were good intentions in this, right? It was trying to send an affirming message that many groups have gone through awful times and risen above it. Like, I get that, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, right. And and why is it that Latter-day said, we love making everything about us. We really do. We try, we've got other things this week even to talk about where we make things about us. We, always it, try, we, we can't the, just say like history and society is what it is and we're just a part of it. It has to be, well, the Mormon experience actually factors in heavily into in, in systemic racism in the United States. Let me explain to you why, and then you should care more about the Mormons. It's, is that like just a, a, a Latter-day Saint thing, or is this—I I would imagine it's there's some—it's part of being human, right? We're always sort of trying to turn it to us I, in our experience, right? I'm, I'm sure it's not just a Latter-day Saint thing, but I also think we're always so ravenously— grasping for relevance and respect and acceptance <laughs> yeah in like especially yeah. in american culture that we go out of our way perhaps unwittingly to try to insert ourselves in everything and show how like we're especially when, maybe when we were teased with the the mormon moment right during mitt romney's run and everything and we were maybe more in the spotlight and we i thought, sort the, mormon of moment, I thought the mormon moment was actually 
pretty good overall. Oh, I think sure, we did a pretty sure. good job handling all that. But don't you think we sort of crave for that again? Like we want that relevance. We want the guys. You could have it again if you just like approve of what Mitt Romney is doing and stop getting mad at him. That would actually show something. If you wanted a Mormon moment, stand behind Mitt Romney and everything he's up to of late, Utahns. And I guarantee you the media will take note. They'll be like, this is curious. Everyone in Utah hates the administration. Why is this? And there's a story. Yeah. Now it's just a Mitt Romney moment, right? I guess so. I don't know, man. Um, so in the same vein, is it okay if I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Move on to the next. Uh, let's see. This is a Medium article called uh, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Mormon Lives Matter by Meg Conley. I don't, are you, is, obviously this is Medium, so I assume Meg is someone that had an opinion that she wanted to share, right? And uh, she goes into <laughs> yes, quite lengthy article and uh, various adjustments and things that, that we can make uh, in order to be more aware and, and be better listeners to, um, you know, the the cause of the Black Lives Matter movement and the minority I'm getting tangled in my words here. This is why you're the words word smith, Jeff. Uh, but not- um one of them she I think the first one, she said it basically came down to three things, right, that she suggested. And one starting with the um I don't know if she'd call it the artwork or the the images of the savior we have that generally are we default to a a white uh yeah. Jesus, right? Yeah. Um and this was interesting, like, uh, connecting it to, I think she mentioned it a few months ago, where this church sort of came out with a standard, this is the, a stand, what do they call it? The standard, like, photos that you can hang up in your church. Right? Yeah, yeah, but a month ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and The approved it, list. And I think you mentioned it when that came out, that it sort of uh, echoed the the whole, um, uh, what's it called, Jeff? The the department at the church that, the cor- correlation. correlation, yes. Correlation. Correlation, right? Yes, and, sir. And uh, I read somewhere online, like, someone had the idea, like, wouldn't it be great if we were able to just have, like, made more of an effort to include, like, local artists' rendition of their gospel experience and things? And and I really like that idea, like, to have more of a reflection of whatever community, um, individ- you know, the ward's in, to see that up on the walls of the church. And, of course, it's not—it may make a mess of things at times, or there may be <laughs> conversations from time to time about certain images, but uh, I don't know, that I sort of like that. It's a good article. It's a long read, but it's it well is. researched and well written. A lot of interesting good good points. Aside from one, of course, Caucasian Jesus. Like we have to do our best not to sort of whitewash our own history. Uh, we talked quite a bit last week, for example, just about sort of um, white privilege, even within the church, which is a very very real thing. Uh, you know, I mean, and of course, there's the history of like p- people like Jane Manning, for example. Very, she's a famous person in the church. I think her story is more known than it was years ago because of some even you know privately funded movies that have gone down. Uh, but we need to do more to recognize like the history of black people in our own church. Uh, to recognize that even slavery existed in the ranks of the church quietly. I love that when we had on uh, Ben Park a couple months ago when he talked about the fact that even in Nauvoo there were like slave owners. Like this is stuff that happened. It was real. We we often paint the picture of Joseph Smith being some fierce abolitionist, which he wasn't. He kind of he kind of just went with the current, I would say, a little bit. I mean, let, as a quick aside, Joseph Smith had a plan once to, to take over the independent state of Texas. They wanted to convert Sam Houston to the gospel and like re headquarter the church in Texas, or at least have it be a massive branch of it. And they didn't care at all that it was a slave state. They're just, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. The important the important thing is the church exists. So. 
Um, this is a good read. Of course, it talks about Brigham Young, who stripped black people of the priesthood effectively. I mean, that's what's there. I mean, I, I know that we still kind of wrestle with this as a church. We try to say, you know, why did the priesthood ban happen? We don't exactly know what was what, and I know we don't apologize for it. I I think someday we might get an apology for the priesthood ban, and I think it's okay to say this was just the result of people who, despite being prophets, inspired leaders, were imperfect men who had the biases and even the racial biases of their era. And that was never okay, but that was the reality of things. It didn't mean they weren't still prophets, right? I mean, Joseph Smith aired like a lot, right? He was a human being. And I think it's worthwhile to know his history and Brigham Young's history and recognize that these were totally fallible individuals. Um, but I wonder, I don't think we'd get, if we were to get an apology for the priesthood ban, I don't think it'll happen at the very earliest until President Oaks is dead. Uh, not to be too blunt about it, but I think some of the old guard, I think some of the old guard has to be gone for that to finally, finally happen. Like I could imagine if you took, for example, like a Garrett Gong and he was suddenly a leader of the church, I think we'd have a very different look on stuff because the younger ones who've come in grew up in a different church, right? They've grown, these are people who've grown up in a different church and we, our lived experiences have a huge bearing on just our worldview and how we see things, you know? And that's obviously, I'm not saying President Nelson is a closeted uh, bigot or anything like that. I think he's far, far from it compared to, most other former and even some contemporary church leaders. So yeah. just some, yeah, something to look at. Like here's, here's a good highlighted quote. It just says prophets and the people that follow them can be racist and often are racist because prophets and the people that follow them are fallen just like everyone else. Racism can only exist in a fallen world and a fallen people. So it's good. I must admit when I first read this, started reading this article, the, the, she gives this Lego masters uh, analogy at the beginning. And I thought it, you know, it was so different from the title of yeah, the like, article. Did, I did thought, I click am, on the right? Am I reading an ad or something? And then I saw, <laughs> oh, it's an analogy. Okay, all right, I'll, I'll get through this Lego Masters explanation. But I also like one of her other points. You know, trying to get us away from this idea of like, yeah, just the perfect outlook we have. You know, made white through rightness. All these things we talk about. But I like this one paragraph. Another last mention. She says, "Let's toss the <coughs> excuse me, the Book of Mormon is a perfect book rhetoric." right over our shoulders into the rubble where it belongs, she says. And I think that's interesting. I don't know if Kurt will have some thoughts on this, but she says, when we say the Book of Mormon is the, quote, most perfect book, we think we're quoting Joseph Smith, but that's not what he said. He called it the most correct book. And he was talking about his translation of it, not the conclusions or experiences of the men who wrote the book. Uh, And then she mentions that Moroni himself concludes the Book of Mormon by acknowledging that there may be faults in it, right? And that if they're there, they're the faults of men. Uh, a bit of an aside, but I think that's a very fascinating concept to think about when we talk about the Book of Mormon being so perfect because it's not, maybe it's not perfect in that sense. And either Kurt froze again or he's folding his arms looking at me Sorry, disapprovingly Jeff. for like a purpose. <laughs> no, no, I had to put some more, I had to put some more spuds in the internet machine. So yeah, I'm yeah, I got now. you. Yeah, yeah. I'm back. Okay. Oh, we were just talking about the Book of Mormon not being perfect. I yeah, yeah. You heard. <laughs> I heard the first part of it, but... Uh. Yeah. So anyways, it's a good read. We don't need to dwell on it all night, but I think everyone should uh, would do well to check that out. Uh, let's see. So let's do some quick, quick mentions. Now here we're kind of in the 
latter third of the show. Uh, we were looking at evacuating the Tucson, Arizona temple. The temple was preparing to evacuate because the bighorn fire in the hills behind it threatened the building. Uh, my understanding is the fire is no longer a threat and they don't, they're not facing an evacuation, but the church was ready. It was ready. Now, I mean, not that it's a nice thing, but like the temple's barely open in the first place. So at least evacuating it, I imagine would involve like five people having to run to their cars and just take a few precious items with them. So thankfully it didn't come to that. Uh, This is a good time to stress perhaps that temples are sacred structures that while sacred, wonderful buildings are still susceptible to the wiles of nature, everyone, there are some who believe temples could never possibly be damaged. But um, a temple in Samoa burned down only fi- only 15 years ago. The Salt Lake Temple lost its Moroni trumpet because of an earthquake. Like things can happen. They're still buildings. So we got this made for some uh, pretty remarkable photos, though. Some of those I it saw really did. Yeah, the fire behind it, like woof. yeah. That's, uh, some of that's probably a little bit of like long lens type stuff where it's not quite as close as it seems. But the, they're still pretty dramatic photos for sure. Yeah, big time. All right, I'm going with uh, the demolish demolishing an historic uh, steak house, a steak uh, steak center, center. It's where the steak meets. That's right, where the steak meets. LDS Church preparing for demolition, and in this photo, this is where in uh, Yuba City, California, steak. How close is it? Yuba? Is that's that's more northern, right? Is it's northern, north? but it's not that it's not that far from your mission lands. Yeah, Sacramento. yeah, that's right. Yeah. I vaguely remember maybe yeah. driving through there on my way. To it's the, not it's not crazy far from there. And uh, so they're getting ready for a temple to be built and take, and ready to demolish this stake center. And there's a photo of the stake president literally taking down the organ pipes. President, I don't know if that's safe, and you should maybe leave that to professionals. But uh, I don't think this is OSHA compliant. That's right. But he's doing. I wonder. It makes me wonder. He's like, I'm going to put these in my office. It's going to be the coolest backdrop. That's the most curious thing to me. So they're going to tear down this temp- this to build make room for the uh, Feather River California Temple is what they're calling it. And um, what are they going to do with these organ pipes? It's cool. They're bothering to take them down and lower them down and care for them. But are they just going to be reused at a different meeting house? Does the church want the organ pipes from what appears to be a building constructed in the 60s or maybe the 70s? What, what What's the plan here? He's going to I'm- melt them down. Ah, yes. He's going to start a ring business. A ring business. CTR rings for everybody in the stake, Jeff. Boom. Boom. Oof. Oof. That one's pretty good. Um, Let's see here. Da, 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 da. The members in Tallahassee, Florida, made a bunch of face masks. They did. They they responded to a mask shortage by making some masks. They made about, what, 350 masks, something like that. Good for them. Nothing wrong with that. We need masks right now. Glad it, they're Was this a on. recent article? Let's see, June 9th, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So. They're making it rain. I'd say the big upside to this is that we just announced a temple for Tallahassee. So this is a good way. This is good PR, everybody. This is a there good is. way to make sure you don't run into any trouble. They'll there say, remember when out. we made all those masks? Now come see our temple. And No, no. It's not going to be now come see our temple. It's going to be now please don't block our temple or please don't make <laughs> Oh, is it one of those situations? I don't know. I don't necessarily oh, think okay. so. I mean, it's, Tall- it's, it's, it's Panhandle, Florida, which is a... Bit of a different cultural beat than the rest of Florida, but I, I assume it'll be fine to build it. I'm just joking. Yes. It's yes. a joke, Kurt. Okay. Ha, 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 ha. Thank ha, you. Ha. Thank you. Um, was that your Mitt Romney laugh? That was a good one. Uh, yeah. That was... When he did the Jimmy Fallon one. Ha, 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 ha. 
Let me see. Uh, we're doing just a few quick ones. This is an unfortunate one. We don't want to end on this one. That's for sure. The uh, the Daybell issue. The Daybell. Oh, no. Chad Daybell, husband of Lori Vallow, taken into custody after human remains found at his home, Idaho home. I, I'm sure the twin sisters will have more to fill us in on the details here, but it's uh, tragic. But nonetheless, uh, a, you know, good thing that we've been been able to find these. Uh, these bodies. I have some music. Oh, it's on this article. Like, listen to Hillary Weeks. What's going on over there? Computer. So, anyways, bodies been found. They've been confirmed as the bodies of the the two children. Um, awful situation. And I just always ask myself how Latter Day Saints can. Everyone, no, no, we you turn haven't this stopped off, the show. This is Kurt lost the potatoes again. Something like that. I mean, I can vamp, but I don't know how long you want me to do it. Here's a good plug. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash This Week in Mormons. Just thought I'd get that in there. It's like an ad break. Oh, perfect. And now Kurt's back talking about- And I'm back. Thanks. The bodies, Thanks. bodies at the like day bell. Say house. a big thank you to our sponsors, like Patreon. So, all right, yeah. Jeff, sorry. Well- we move on to the next one. Let us talk about the greatest video of the entire week. Another great example of- um, we have to be everything. We have to be. So this is about Nephites in Europe. And the, we've heard, we, I think we talked about this once before. But now the official trailer, actually this trailer dropped some time ago, but I, I think it got some prominence just recently. So uh, the Joseph Smith Foundation is fun. And they're, pro- they're producing the Nephites in Europe. And it's essentially trying to argue that some tribe that was in what is now the Netherlands was named after Nephi. They had a leader of Nephi and the It is the premise like the the Nephites weren't all killed, like they fleed the the evacuated the land to Europe. Is that the premise? Yeah, they believe that I don't I I even watched it and I don't fully get what argument they're making. Like did somebody just like break off from like Lehi and Ishmael's family and say, you know what? I'm turning around and I'm walking to Holland. That's what's happening. I mean Everybody on the boat, we're leaving. I guess if you're Team Heartland, you could assume it would be a little bit easier for Nephites to sail across the Atlantic and then settle in the Low Country, right? Yeah, Holland's a long, a long haul from there. Why? Uh, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to try to look at Dutch history and say, "Guess what, suckers? You're Nephites." Joke's on you. You didn't know, did you? All of you Europeans are Nephites. You've all been Mormons since forever ago. Didn't you know? Oh, the Roman Empire, Mormon. Ottoman Empire, Mormon. Absolutely. Well, I think Adam and Eve were, they were Nephites, and that's where it all started, Jeff. Uh, the, yeah, now it all makes sense. The whole, all of Genesis happened in Zarahemla. They were there first. <laughs> they built the city. Hey, they, are the, they are the Mulekites. That's we may we find evidence someday. Let's also talk about the Mulekites and how they had their own town. They had Zarahemla, right? So the Book of Mormon narrative is really funny when you think about it because Nephi's people left Zarahemla, left, sorry, they left the land of Nephi because the Lord told them to leave. So Laman and Lemuel want to kill him. And eventually the Nephite civilization stumbles upon the existing city of Zarahemla. Now they don't just say, this is cool. Can we live here, Mulekites? They walk in and essentially install a minority government and rule over the Mulekites as the righteous people. Just think about that from a, like a just purely political context. You had Mulekites living their lives, and Nephites came in and just took over their town and said, "We're in charge now, Mulekites. We are. I'm the captain now, right? Exactly. One of those. <laughs> exactly. 
No one ever questions this. Why don't we talk more about the fact that the Nephites installed a minority government and Zarahemla and just took the joint over? What? Now, Jeff, in our defense, this is it's not like this is an Enzyme article, right? I mean, this. I don't know why we're talking about Nephites in, in Holland when we could be talking about this. I think this is far more engaging. The <laughs> geopolitics of the Book of Mormon. That's way more fun. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a subject. I know it is. I know it is. All right. So, Jeff, we're at the point of the show where I'm never sure if you want me to launch in another story or if you want you to can, wrap up. There's, a, there's a couple okay ones, so if you want to hit into where, it. Where should I go? You pick. I'll, I'll, whatever, I'll you're, whatever you're feeling. Tell me about Jackson County, buddy. What's going on there in Missouri? You picked the one article left Ha-ha! that I did not read. As um, I do. As but I this do. is, I mean, this is right up your alley, Jeff. There's a map on this article. You love maps. You love geography, love map. demographics. Love oh, yeah. So tell us, Lee's Summit prepares to launch planning to develop 4,200 acres owned by Mormon Church. That's so, basically the gist of it. Lee's Summit's a suburb of, like, it's by Independence. This is this is Jackson County, folks. We're going back to Jackson County. We're going to build is, some this stuff. This is the compound, huh? We're going to build some stuff there. Now, no, we're not taking back Temple Lot, you know, necessarily. We are... Not yet. We're just going to build some kind of tasteful tract housing. It'll be like Celebration Florida, but run by the church. It's going to be great. What could be better? I have no it idea. Is. So... So there's, and, a pay, so there's, they, there's a paywall. They sold this so. land, right? Did they sell it? I was hoping the church was just going to like own it and develop it and be awesome with it. <laughs> but they're they again. This now I'm I'm trapped. They want me to enter my email address. Some websites are just awful. Yeah, this one is uh, they it's the Kansas City Business Journal. It's 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 paywall city. Everybody, even in an incognito window where you could show ads, they just don't care. Hey, so some other stuff you could read real quick. Our friend Ben Park, referenced earlier, wrote a great op-ed in the Washington Post talking about Mitt Romney and his father marching for civil rights, but that they also, there were crucial differences between the two. And I'd say the main differentiator for the sake of time is that George Romney was marching for equal rights uh, for African-American people uh, back when they did, like, even had them in, in, had fewer of them even now. This was, you know, this was before Martin Luther King Junior even really took off. This is much earlier in this period of the civil rights movement. And also when our church itself, in many ways, disenfranchised yeah. uh, people of color, right? I, I, wasn't, so, I wasn't aware that uh, of, of this, of his involvement there, but I thought, man, did he get a phone call <laughs> after this? I don't know. Like, that's this was interesting about much it, right? more controversial yeah. than today, right? Know, yeah, exactly. I... So Mitt, Mitt doing it is still a perfectly good thing, but it's a very different environment for Mitt Romney to be walking today than George Romney doing it, like you just said, is pretty much sticking his neck out both, for one, with the Republican Party, which his party did not support anything along those lines at that time, which is part of why his presidential campaign didn't go anywhere. And then also yeah, the church, yeah, he was just out there being like, yeah, well, church... Give it 15 years. Things will get better. And um, I just want you to read this one. An interview with the first man, Joseph Freeman, to receive the priesthood after the priesthood ban was lifted in 1978. The headline is stupid from the Daily Herald because it says Joseph Freeman, first black to receive the LDS priesthood. No! Reflects on race relations. <laughs> hey, you know, headlines got to be concise, right? Even if I mean, it, it they're qualifies not it. It qualifies it very quickly in the article, but no, it's still like, well, headline. That's Elijah Abel might have a thing or two to say about that. I mean, that's uh, that's fine, but that's actually a good read. It's cool to reflect on that. I mean, it's been forty odd year, forty two years. Last week was the anniversary of the uh, 
official declaration going out about that. So there we have it. All right, Jeff, I can, uh, we got the, the woman take second shot at suing church over truth claims. That's uh, so, good. Yeah, so I guess this is just the second time, right? Uh, so this woman No double lost, jeopardy here. Uh, the woman lost her faith in the Mormon church and then lost her lawsuit against it, is trying again. Laura Gady, Gaddy, amended her complaint against the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints after Utah Federal Judge Robert Shelby threw out her original complaint. So basically saying the church isn't, forthcoming with all of their history and therefore is a fraud and and can be can be tried in that context so um yeah probably okay. probably not going to go anywhere the last case was thrown out of so it wasn't like she just gave up like it was thrown out by the judge so we'll yeah we'll see it's interesting from a legal area, like could you sue a church over truth claims because you believe something and you gave money because of it? But I don't, I, I, I get it. It's interesting to follow, but I don't see how you win a case like that. No one forced you to do it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's all, that's all I got, Jeff. There it is, man. So everyone, this has been the week in Mormons for this week, the week of June fourteenth. Flag Day, everybody. We hope you had a wonderful Flag Day. Hope it was terrific. Hope you'll join us at facebook.com slash thisweekinmormons. Also, thisweekinmormons.com, okay? Dot com for the Comoros. The, uh, the Comoros, which, the capital city, Moroni. No joke. Figure that one out, everybody. That's another bit of weird history. Why is no one talking about the capital city of a country in the Indian Ocean off the coast of Africa is named after Moroni? I'm assuming it'll also have to be renamed because Moroni is on the out. So we'll have to replace the capital city of the Comoros at some point. That's where the Nephites went, Jeff. I actually wondered about that once. I was hoping... I once looked up the history of the city of Moroni to see how old it was because I was curious if like the Nephites happened to stop there and they just picked up that name or whatever it was at the time. But timelines didn't quite match up. Is it spelled the same way? Yeah, just Moroni. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's all it is, so... There's I've learned some, something today, Jeff. It's either that or or for people who believe Joseph Smith was a fraud, he was looking at the capital cities of random archipelago nations in the Indian Ocean in the 1820s. Sure. That that makes more sense to me. Absolutely. Um, shoot us an email, contact at thisweekinmormons.com, where you can berate me and tell me how much you don't like me, which does happen. That's fine. I don't care. And uh, everyone, follow Kurt. Kurt does great things at Leading That's right. Saints. Yeah. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, uh, type in Leading Saints. You'll find a big, beautiful red logo. And uh, subscribe and love to have you join us. Yeah, I hope you'll do it too. Donate to Kurt. Give him all your money. Except and a little if any bit of you, you Jeff. If any of you want to advertise on this show, I will gladly take your money as well. Straight up, everybody. All I want is enough money to pay my mortgage. That's it. And in D.C., a mortgage is very little. So this will be fine. And with that note, I will leave you. And Kurt, I love you very much. Thank you love for you, being Jeff. here. Good to see you, buddy. Enjoy the potatoes. This Week in Mormons is out. Until we talk to you next week, be well, be holy, and be happy. This Week in Mormons. This Week in Mormons. This Week in Mormons. Original Mormon News Podcast This Week in Mormon The Original Mormon News 
podcast.